0: Welcome and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to c Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Oh, okay. Thank you for that warm introduction, and thank you, worship team. It's it's always good to. Uh, to worship from the congregation and not always on the platform because it's such a different, um, it is a different experience. And the presence of God is here. The presence of God wants to do something and change you. I was thinking as you were introing, this has nothing to do with the message, but how in the Gospels, when the Gospel was preached, there was always a demonstration of power with it. It was never... It was never dry. There was always something happening, and that's what I long to see: is the demonstration of power, the manifest power, the manifest presence of God. So God. So yeah. Okay, not what we're talking about, but we were talking about letting go of legalism. This is a series. You can't get there from here, and this is week two out of four weeks, and you're gonna be so free at the end of these four weeks. (laughs) So free. If you haven't noticed, freedom is a big theme in the Bible. Has anybody noticed that before? (laughs) Yes. There are verses like, um, it is for freedom that Christ died to set us free. Uh, Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And then there's the massive story about Israelites who were in captivity in Egypt, and they weren't supposed to be. So God set them free through a series of events. And this is like, we sing songs about it, um, you know, break the chains, we, we want to be unshackled, we want to be free. But then also, if you read through scripture, there's this theme about how we should conduct our lives, that there's specific behaviors and there's ways that we should live to live a godly Christian life. And there's, you know, there's the Ten Commandments, um, there's in Matthew 6, it talks about giving, praying, Fasting in First Thessalonians, it says, abstain from all evil. And I think sometimes these can feel like a bit of opposing forces. Like, okay, how do I stay free? But then, how do I do all this stuff that um, you know is pleasing to God? And how do I how do I get you know not caught up in one or the other? And they can be these these clashing um, clashing ideas. Um, so, how do we reconcile with living in freedom while living a life that's pleasing to God? And the trap we can sometimes fall into is called legalism. It's this legalistic thinking where we start to earn God's approval by being good enough. You know, if I do this, if I do that, then I'm good enough. And then all of a sudden, we're no longer free sons and daughters in the house of God, but we're enslaved to something again. And yeah, we got these little chickens a couple weeks ago, little chicks, and we took them outside yesterday, and we have this bunny cage, and the holes are like this big. So the chicks can definitely get through. So we thought, okay, how long till they get out? Well, it was probably like a half an hour before they figured they could get through these little holes. And then they'd go through the holes, stand there for a minute, turn around, go back inside the cage. (laughs) Go out of the holes, turn around, go back inside the cage. I'm like, I think we do that sometimes. We're like, we're free. "Eh, I want to go back. This is easier. Oh, you know, Egypt, they fed us, but, you know, but in freedom, we have to farm our own lands and we have to figure out what to do. So there's this, this trap that we can fall into. Um, And I don't think we always even immediately recognize it. I mean, I would not say I'm by nature one to like be like a rule follower. So if the, but but I do like rules. But if if the if the speed limit's is hundred, I may be going hundred and ten or like hundred and fifteen. But if someone's going like one hundred twenty-five, I want them pulled over. I definitely want them following the rules. So I think we start to see this legalism in our life when we compare ourselves to others. When we start comparing and we say like, okay, well. I only missed two Sundays last week, but I'm pretty sure Hannah missed four because she had a new baby. So, Or, you know, I was over at someone's house and I saw Fifty Shades of Grey. And I've never read that, so I'm probably okay. Or did you see Pastor Kim's cleavage? There's no way God likes that. And we could fall into this trap where it's like, okay, well, I am... I'm holier, I'm better, I'm more pleasing to God because I've done these things. And it's kind of that holier-than-thou statement, if you've ever heard it, where you, you know, that's about moral superiority. Okay, I'm a little bit better, I'm closer to God. But if we look in in Exodus, where Moses is, um, and hopefully you... I'll know the story a little bit, but he's walking, and there's a burning bush, and he goes over to see it, because it's burning, but it's not um, being burned up, and then God speaks from the bush, and he says, Moses, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Now, what ethical behavior did the ground have? What had the ground done to make itself holy? Had Had it... Abstained from sex before marriage, had it, I mean, these are all good things, but <laughs> had it, you know, prayed, fasted, all these things, nothing. The reason why the ground was holy was its proximity to the presence of God. And that's where we get our holiness from, is our proximity to the presence of God. I mean, this morning, I am much more of value to you if I've spent time in the presence of God than if I've spent time, you know, um, doing all the things that we think we need to do to be good Christians. I think. Okay. So how do we avoid this trap? How do we avoid this legalistic trap? And Paul is addressing this in the book of Galatians. And if you were here last week, Jasmine just explained it so wonderfully. I just wanted to like show a vision, a video of her talking about the book of Galatians, but I didn't because I would hate it if someone did that. But I appreciate it. She brought the context that Galatia was a region. It wasn't just a church. It included a bunch of different towns and churches. So Paul is writing to the the Galatian church, or not the Galatian church, the, the region of Galatia, and the church is there, um, to people that are being told that they need Jesus. And so they have the Jewish Christians that have come in and been like, well, you know, to be a, to be a um, Christian, you believe in Jesus, but then you also need to follow these laws and these rules, and, and, and. And I think, although we're not necessarily trying to um, follow all the the laws of the Israelites, we can be guilty of adding to our Christianity, like, oh, I have Jesus, but, and I need to do this, and, 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 right? So Galatians three ten to, yes, this one, what is it? It's Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. It says, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God, so the law, that's like rules and stuff that we do to make them right with God, are under his curse. That's, that's pretty harsh there, Paul. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. I think we missed, oh, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For as written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, so that's us, those are people that are not Jewish, with the same blessing, he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Okay, there's some interesting things in this scripture I would like to point out. If you could go back to the first slide. First, is it a slide? I don't know, screen, sorry. Oh my gosh, I feel so old. I got a new iPad, I couldn't get my email to work. Um, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. Okay, we are under a curse when we depend on the law to make us right? That's, that sucks. That's harsh. Um, And then he says, unless we obey all of the law, so all, according to Google, 613 rules in the law... We can't depend on rules to make us right with God. Not even one, not even if you follow one or two, or like 612, you have to follow 613 rules to be saved by this method. Um, And then I think it's the last last slide. And then on the other like polar opposite of the spectrum, it says through Jesus Christ, in the middle there, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing. So Christ rescued us from the curse and now through him and only him we can receive the blessing. So we have the beginning, the law, which curses us and then we have faith, which blesses us through Jesus Christ. And I want to spend a little bit of time just looking at these two opposites. Like what is cursed, biblically speaking, and what is blessing? What does it look like to live under a curse? What does it look like to live under blessing? Um, So cursed versus blessed biblically. Curses are, to begin with, they're the absence of the blessing of God. So will define blessings in the next. I feel like I'm doing a, do you want the good good news or the bad news first? We're starting with the bad news, the curse part. So curses are the absence of the blessing of God. They are, biblically speaking, not a magic spell. They're not an incantation. They're not like, um, we're not talking about witches although I believe those exist, but they're the opposite of blessing in your life, and they close the door for God to bless you. So living under a curse is living under a lack of fruitfulness. In Mark 11, um, and I I don't have the scripture, but I'll briefly tell you the story, Jesus is hungry, and he sees a tree, and it's a fig tree, and it has leaves on it, and he goes up to it, and he's looking and this is annoying. It's not even the season for figs. So this could be another sermon itself. But it's not the season for figs. And he goes, and there's no figs. And he says, may no one ever eat from you again. He curses it. May no one ever eat from you. Then he goes into the temple, and there's this big scene where he knocks out all the like people that are selling stuff. But then the next day, he comes back with the disciples, and the tree is withered and has no fruit. So from his curse, he produced a lack of fruitfulness and death on the tree. So that's what curses begin with their lack of fruitfulness and death. And when we curse things in our lives, when we speak curses over things or we live under curses, we lose our ability to reproduce and to bring life to it. This is why it's so important when we speak over our children. Like, I'm always trying to correct myself. I never say, you're always sick. You're all, you never listen. You always do this because they're, cursed, that they're curses that stop the fruitfulness in their life. Um, what kind of fruit do you feel when you're trying to earn God's approval? Is it good fruit? When we live trying to earn God's approval, we feel what? guilty because we're never good enough. We feel inadequate because we're never good enough. We can never do enough. We can never pray enough. We can never read the Bible enough. We feel tired because we're always striving. There's never enough time in the day. We feel bound and enslaved because we are. We're not free. We feel anxious because we have to do these things. Otherwise, God won't bless us. Our lives will fall apart. Our marriages will fall apart. Our, you know, we won't be able to get in the housing market. The stock market will crash. We're just, you know, everything's hinging on us. And our lives are being blessed and going well. So there's not good fruit living under this legalistic lifestyle. In fact, it's fruitfulness. No, yes, yes, it's fruitless. Thank you. Fruit. Yes, fruitless. Um... The okay, I wrote number three. I don't know what one and two were, but <laughs> curses <laughs> curses result like we said in death, but also scarcity and isolation. I don't know if did I give you Genesis three verses seventeen? Yeah. Okay. Um, to the man okay, so in Genesis three, when we go back to the beginning of the Bible. Is this it? Yes, okay. So after Adam and Eve have sinned or Eve has sinned, and then Adam has sinned, and they um, meet with God and he, you know, says, what have you done? And he, he, they they get cursed. God has, he says, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And your li- all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow." Um, Will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made? For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Okay, so curses. Again, we have death. We have uh, lack of fruit. We have scarcity, famines. We have isolation because now no longer, they're not in um, relationship with God anymore. And the Garden of Eden was supposed to be a place of more than enough. It was supposed to be a bountiful, blessed place. And now all of a sudden they've been moved into this place of scarcity where they have to work, where there's never enough, where it all ends in death and where God isn't. And under the law, when when we're living under the law, we end up being isolated because we think we're better than everybody, or we're trying to be better than everybody. We uh, live under scarcity because there's never enough time. There's never enough resources. And it won't even save us. So we end in death. Uh, Number four, and again, I'm sorry. I don't know where these numbers are coming from. (laughs) Curses put us in bondage. And this is a big one. This is why it's a trap, because it is a trap. It's the cage. Galatians 4, verses 9 to 10, Paul's writing, and he says, So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. So by partnering with the law or rules to make us right with God see in the middle it says we become slaves to weak and useless spirits so we have the holy spirit which is powerful and strong and can do anything and this is what Jasmine preached about last week is we need the holy spirit to help us but when we live under this curse we are then partnered with these weak and useless I envision like limp spirits (laughs) that are like sickly looking um And see, the thing is, the devil is always trying to get you to give away your freedom. He's always trying to get you to give away your freedom. And you are always giving it away to someone. And he wants it to be to him. And in John 10, 10, it says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy so he will do anything he can to get you t- permission to come in and to mess with your life. And he is going to steal from you through this method. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So we have to be diligent in making sure these things don't get in. It's, um, you know, sometimes we say like, Oh, we didn't mean to. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to fall into that. Well, the truth is the devil doesn't care about your intentions. He will take any like pathway that he can to get in there, right? That's why we have to be so on guard. Um, And if he can get you to believe that you're serving God, okay, I'm serving God because I'm doing all this. I'm trying to like observe this on this day and this year, and I'm getting stuck up in these things. Then what happens is instead of living in freedom, we get on this treadmill. Like the hamster wheel, and we're we can never get off of it. And it's this treadmill of doing and doing and doing. And it's a trap into partnership with evil spirits. Um and that's not freedom at all. But it feel but I think we can logically sometimes think through that as us being free because we're living for Jesus and we're doing this and we're, you know, and and I'm only um why are my examples not coming at the moment i don't know why but you know if we're tr- we're trying to observe the law and we're trying to live by rules okay so that was the bad news there's bondage there's isolation scarcity death and there's a lack of fruit fruitlessness <laughs> okay so this is the good news um, in the, the Galatians 3 that we read early, earlier, it says if we're cursed then we lived under the law, when we live under the law, then we are blessed when we live by faith. Yes. And it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And it's under that banner of faith that we join in. It says with the, the blessing of Abraham. So we're going to talk about what is a blessing. What does it look like to live under a blessing? And what's this Abraham blessing he's talking about? So a biblical blessing, so if a biblical curse is about lack and um, lack of fruitfulness, then a biblical blessing, if we go back to Genesis, the first thing that God does, he creates things, you know, day one, day two, day three, he makes the birds, he makes the fish, and then he says, be fruitful. He blesses them and says, be fruitful and multiply. So a blessing is about fruitfulness and multiplication. And then in verse uh, Genesis 128, he says, do we have that one? He he creates people, and he says he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So So there's fruitfulness, multiplication, flourishing, but there's also this life that's given to reign over God's blessing. Um, It's about flourishing, multiplication, and our blessing is about multiplication, but also about taking care of God's blessing. It doesn't, I find it interesting, it doesn't say like, you'll be healthy, everything will go well for you. It says you're supposed to grow and reproduce and have dominion over things, Um, again, that's why it's important that we bless our children. We speak life to them. We bless the people around us. We speak life to them. We don't speak death on them. This is like such, um, should be such a marker of Christians is that we're blessing people instead of cursing them. We're not screaming in their faces and wishing bad or speaking bad things over them. We're saying, hey, I hope you have a great week. I hope that many things go well for you. Um, so if living under the law produces this, this, this fruitlessness, then living by faith and the finished work, to work of Jesus, we live, we live by faith, knowing that Christ died for us and then rose again, um, is enough. That will produce fruitfulness in your life. And the fruit, it talks about it in Galatians 5, 22. It's very like C3 Kids basic. What's the fruit? The fruit is Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. There are no laws. No laws against these things. These are the good things. These are not under the curse. These are under the blessing. In um, that earlier scripture, it said, um, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing as Abraham received because of his faith. And through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit. So this is a a partnership with the blessing of Abraham. So we have the partnership with the evil, weak spirits that um, put us in bondage, that suck up our life and our time. And then we have a partnership with fruitfulness, and what they talk about is the, the blessing of Abraham that's now available to us as Christians. And what is, this, what is this blessing? Genesis 12, verses 2 to 3. Did I give you that one? I don't think I did. Okay, it says, um, so this is when Abraham's supposed to leave his... his um, country where he lives, and he's supposed to move someplace else, and God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, uh, verses 2 to 3. Uh, I don't have it on the screen, but I'll give you a, another summary. It says, I will... I will um, I will make you a great nation. So I will make your family great, is the blessing of Abraham. Um, I will bless you and make you famous. So I will bless you and I will make your name great. I'll take care of your reputation. Um, You will be a blessing to others. So you'll be able to speak these things over other people and have them come to be. I'll bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So people that you come into contact will be blessed. This, again, it's not an everything will go with you, but rather it's this promise that we, we walk in faith in Jesus Christ. We walk under the, you know, Abraham throughout scriptures talked about being approved of because of his faith. So when we walk in this faith, then we partnership with this blessing, this blessing that grows us Um that allows us to flourish and multiply and it's not just about the blessings for your life but it's the exponential capabilities that are generational yes. it's, um, it's not just about you it's about so much more um, Jesus and I died not just to redeem you but to restore these promises to you and they can only happen through faith, the life-producing ability, the blessings of God. In in Luke, um, Elizabeth is talking to Mary, and she says, "You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what He said." Doesn't say you were blessed because you know you rushed out as soon as God made you a promise, and then you you made it happen on your own. But you you're blessed because you believed what the Lord that the Lord said what He um, that the Lord would do what He said. And this is the essence of the gospel yeah. is that Jesus took the curse of the law. So all those curses we talked about, he took the curse of the law upon himself. So you would never, ever have to carry those things. You'd never have to carry the scarcity, the isolation, the lack. He he took the, the power of the curse, the presence of the curse still exists. So we still need to actively, um, you know, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee. We need to resist those things because they're still there. But he took the power of them upon himself. Symbolically, when we talked about, there was that verse in Genesis 3, I think it was, that said he cursed the ground, and he said thorns and thistles. So when Jesus died on the cross, what did he put, what was put on his head? It was the crown of thorns. He took, I mean, there's so much symbolism when you start deep diving into it about the, the death and resurrection of Christ. He took the thorns upon his head. He, he took the, the very curse that he gave to man in Genesis and he took it upon himself so that we wouldn't have to he, we wouldn't have to take those. We, we often forget that he didn't just come in and erase everything. He actually fulfilled it by taking it on him. So now the challenge is that we build our foundation. In Jesus. I um, I was just thinking, I hope this is relevant, but like my kids in my house, they, you know, they have expectations on them. They're supposed to do chores. They're supposed to get up and get dressed and make their beds and they're supposed to put their sinks in, or their dishes in the sink when they're done. But the bottom line is whether, like, these are good things, and they should do these things, because it is pleasing to me, and it will help them not be jerks as adults, and it will <laughs> help them, you know, to find lovely, wonderful spouses. <laughs> and it's very important. This is pleasing to me. But they're still my children, whether they do it or not. They're still, they're still born into my family, and they're still a skiftin. I guess I'm a skifted <laughs> you know <laughs> they're still my children no no matter what they do and I think most parents would agree with that even though sometimes we would like them to like not be our children because they're really annoying us but they're you know yeah. and, and it's the same with Christ we're born into this family so it doesn't come down to what you do even though we should do things that are pleasing to God it comes down to you've who you are in Christ and that we're sons and we're daughters, and that we believe by faith that he's taken that upon himself. Um, Romans 1417 says the, the kingdom of God is not about what or the kingdom of heaven is not about what we eat or drink. It's not about the you know the kosher food, but it's of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit because this is pleasing to God. So our foundation is not built on the law, but on freedom. The laws that we follow are not based on trying to earn our salvation, but because we love God and we want to please him. Are are we good enough? No, but Christ in us is enough. So my prayer is that you would hold on to that, that you'd get something from there. Um, I just want to take a moment, maybe if we could bow our heads. And I don't know if anyone can relate to feeling like You've lived under a curse. Maybe it's the curse of the law. Maybe it's a word curse. Maybe it's um, a curse in your family. But I just want to take a moment and see if the Holy Spirit would reveal anything to you. God, I thank you that you're present. God, I thank you that you want us to live in freedom, that Christ died um, for freedom. So make sure you stay free. God, we don't want to live as people who keep going back into bondage and keep going back into slavery, but we want to live by the Holy Spirit in the freedom that you've given us. God, we recognize today that we can never be good enough, and then that's why you paid the price. So just like the parable in, um, I think it's Mark that says, the farmer plants the seed... And it's you who waters it. And it's you who let it grow. So God, today we purpose to do, to live by righteousness, to live in you, to do what we can do, but ultimately to have faith that you, God, water the seed, that you, God, are the one who saves us, that you, God, are sovereign, and we trust in you. Does anybody feel like, like they've been living under the law, or living legalistically. If I could, just with everybody's head bow, if I could encourage you to put your hand up, I'd love to pray over you this morning. Yeah, thanks. God, I thank you for the people that are here this morning, the people that may be listening. God, I just want to pray freedom over them, God. God, we're sorry when we've counted on things to set us free. We're sorry, God, when we haven't realized that Jesus Christ is enough. We're sorry, God, when we've tried to do it in our own works, by our own hands, by our own capabilities, by our own abilities. God, we give that back to you, Lord. And this morning we choose, God, to take on the blessings that you've given us, to take on the freedom that you've given in us, to actively stand and walk in our freedom, to choose as you've called us to live. God, I pray, Lord, this morning that as people go from here, that there would just be this word would just marinate in their souls. This word would just just continue to produce fruit, would continue to produce life within them. Holy Spirit, that we would be, um, we would live freely in you, God, as you've called us to, that we wouldn't allow ourselves to be enslaved again but we would live by your freedom. So I thank you, God, that today is a new day, that we're letting go of legalism, that we know that we can't get to a foundation of freedom from a foundation of um, rules and regulations, but God, we trust in the Holy Spirit. We trust in who you are and in the finished work of Christ. And I thank you for today. I thank you, God, that in one day, in one moment, you can do so much more than we could ever dare to dream or imagine. God, you can set people free. Free. you can break chains. you can um, you can bring fresh revelation and God we trust, trust that you've done good work this morning that it's just the beginning. we thank you for your presence. I pray a blessing over everybody here God that as they leave this place they would be fruitful they would um, walk in the blessing that you have for them God that their weeks would be, would be full of, of your spirit and your presence. God, that we just be continually reminded that you're by our side, that you never leave us or forsake us. I thank you for this day. Your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.